there's uh, when we studied in college, I always um, I always liked apologetics. Apologetics was kind of your your, your defense of the gospel, defense of the faith. Um, maybe it was the arguing I liked. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but there was a, a, a side to it, and part of it is you're dealing with apostasy, which is you know stepping away from what you believe. And in order to do that, it's kind of like with the bankers, you know, how do you tell a fraud? Well, you don't go out and look at every kind of fraud. You go back and look at the original, look at the dollar, and you understand it and stay focused on it. Well, how do you do that with the Bible? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You've got it right in front of you. God gave it to you. Read it. Stay involved in it. And, and really delve into it and let the Spirit illuminate your eyes to what it's showing you. Um, one of the things, though, is people that sometimes claim knowledge of verses or extra, extra biblical knowledge and say, here's what, you know, God's telling me this. And uh, we've got cults that have formed around those kind of things. Um, and we always have to be careful of that when you're preparing a sermon because sometimes you want to come to a sermon and you think, here's an idea and this is where I want to go with it. Um, I was looking at the word regeneration in Titus 3.5 and really focused on it. I was like, here's an idea and I want to kind of go with this. And, and as I got into it, I realized, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it this way and this isn't how it means it. It means it this way. And it's kind of what I want to share with you a little bit of what I kind of, in doing the Bible study on it and asking God, you know, laying in bed one night and saying, what does regeneration mean? How does that, how does that apply to us? If in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, if you want to turn there, we'll kind of use it as a reference for tonight. But how does that apply to our lives? And what do we, what do, we do because of that? Says he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do tonight is kind of focus on that that latter half of the verse there, where it talks about the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So with that, let's 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 start with prayer here. Heavenly Father, we just ask now that this very Holy Spirit that we are just reading about, that you will help him to focus our minds, to avoid distractions, or to block out Satan and the rest of the day and just distractions that would draw us away from you and your word and what you would have for us. We ask now that in the quietness of the hour we may look in your word, and Lord, as you look into us, Show us how to serve you and worship you. We ask this in your name. Um, just past the first Timothy, first Timothy two. Just just past that, um, it gets into some other interesting pieces. And first Timothy three one through five, if you want to turn there, is one of those passages that we don't usually get to, because we look at first Timothy two, which talks about here's the requirements for a deacon or an elder, and here's what it means if you're going to be um, so, some sort of position in the church. These are some qualifications. And we kind of stop there at chapter 2. And it's one of those things that's because of the numbers that we don't continue on. Oh, that's 3. That's a different chapter. So, you know, well, that's not how God wrote it. The, chapters were after, that was, the numbers are all added afterwards. So let's look at where it goes. And if you look at what chapter 3 starts off with, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, says, 
But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be directed, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of prayer, word of God and prayer. That, that seared consciousness is one of those things. I mean, it's, seared is one of those things you're burned. Not just burned once, but seared that, that hard, you know, I take a steak and put it on the grill and hear that sizzle. Have you done that with your hand? I mean, you know, I like, I like to play in fire, and you play in fire, you get burned sometimes. You make the fireballs, and it's fun. But there's times that you get burned. And it's one thing when you're playing with fire, but when you start talking about spiritual fire, this is really what it's talking about. Paul's talking about Timothy here. And there's a qualitative difference because even in a searing where you get a cut or a burn or a scar, these are scars that scar your soul. These are things that can very much sear your conscience so much that what does it say? By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. These are men who've created their own rules, stepped away from this and said, well, this is God's word, but, and these are my words that I'm putting on here and going above and beyond, or maybe away from. And it's that level of apostasy that we need to be aware of. And it's one of those things that when we start talking about deacons and elders, it's also one of those things that we need to bear in mind for all of us to target for, to shoot for, but it's also a measuring stick for the church on the whole. In other words, it's something we should all be watching for. We should look for these kind of attitudes, these kind of events. Um, In fact, I want to give you a couple of parallel scriptures that I think give you an idea of how serious this is. Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 says this, Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts, and they having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Paul says it differently in Romans, where he's in chapter 1, 18 through 22, where he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men, who surpass the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they came futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Do you see the, the parallel there? That's a strong statement. 
that Paul is talking about the, the correlation between the sinners who've gone off and said, I'm going to make idols and I'm going to do these things, as well as with apostasy, where he says, there's going to be, and he says, beware church. Beware leaders. These people will come along and they're going to do these things. Why? Because their conscience is seared. And the reason I think that was so important, and I was bearing that in mind as I was looking at the word regeneration, because regeneration, typically we use it to regrow. How do you, you know, if somebody has, we, we hear new surgeries today, you know, somebody can regrow parts of their body, parts of the skin. We're looking at, um, oh, what are they called, the cells? Stem cells, thank you. Can't even think of the cells. You think of stem cells and how they are clay in a sense and how they can grow and multiply or adjust, adapt as it were. Spiritually speaking, what level do we have that kind of regeneration in in our lives spiritually? Well, one of the things I've talked about with different brothers and sisters periodically is where we're at. We often use the example of if we're frogs, you know, the old example of the frog, you drop him into hot water, he jumps out real fast, right? But if you put him in there and turn the water up, turn the temperature up, what happens? He'll sit there until he cooks. And I look at our civilization, our society, and I wonder how hot it is. You know, how, how, is the water boiling yet? I mean, because according to this, we're, we're boiling. I mean, if I go back to Romans, we're We're boiling. And how much do we use this as a metric to look at those around us and say, wow, seared conscience. Now I understand where they're coming from. Not to do it in judgment or to to, to blast them or something, but to go, that's why they're doing that. I understand it. I have an understanding of where they're coming from. We're, We're to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But to be wise as serpents, we've got to be in this metric and understand through God's eyes. One of the things I want to look at is reading the broader scripture in Titus there, in chapter 3, 1 through 8, actually, which is why I said keep Titus, your finger in Titus there. This is what it says. It says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we were once also, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Verse 4 starts off, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Now, the, the difference here is this. I want to look at a little bit of a difference between regeneration 
and renewal. Because the words don't mean the same thing. There's a difference there. And regeneration is actually only used in Titus 3.5 and also back in Matthew 19, where it's regarding the, the new earth and the millennium kingdom. It talks about a rebirth. It is the new birth. It's an event that changes us spiritually. That term regeneration is literally the new birth. John 1, 12 and 13 says it this way, But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You might remember Nicodemus' question in John chapter 3. What does he say? How can a man be born again? Jesus looks at him and says, And you're a teacher in Israel? Jesus just took the temperature of the water right there, didn't he? And you're a teacher in Israel? And you don't know? John 5.21 says this, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Ephesians 2 says it this way, 4-7, through But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead... In our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason we kind of go through those is because I want to look at all three persons of the Trinity are involved in that giving of life whether it's from the Father, even as in James 1.17 talks about all good things come from the Father, to the Son, as we just let, read, who gives life. 1 John 5.11-12 says it this way. It says, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So one gives, and it's by the power of the other, and then at the final is the Holy Spirit, who is the very regenerator, the one who actually gives us the new birth, that makes that occur. And it is this, John 3, 3, John 3, 3-7 says it this way. This is of Nicodemus. He says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And again, Nicodemus says, What? How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, the Spirit gives life to us. And... Ephesians 2.5 says it, it parallels us being made alive with Christ. Okay? The thing you have to understand is that in our transgressions, we're dead. It, it's kind of a difficult concept a lot of times because we look around and, gee, everybody's moving. They're breathing. They're alive, right? But do you recognize the fact that, especially when we walk outside the doors, they're spiritually dead. 
What does that mean when we talk to those who do not know Jesus? We need to be very conscious of the fact that they have not been quickened. They haven't been awakened. They have not been raised as with Christ. Ephesians 4.24 says it this way, And put on the new self, which in, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Now, this contrasts with something else that's occurring. Because just because we're born, we don't stay that way, do we? Thank you, Eliza. <laughs> A little sigh right at the moment of time. We don't stay at that size, do we? We keep growing and teething all night. I think of what the mercy that God must have on us as we teeth all night, as we grow. You know, how many times does he have to change our diaper because we make mistakes? Our spiritual diaper, as it were. How, how do we test our Father in heaven? That's the renewal aspect. You notice it's not just, okay, you're regenerated, you're saved, off you go. You're perfect. Keith mentioned in his prayer, he said about this process of being more sanctified, being more holy. It's set, it's started. We will reach a point in heaven where we are, at that point, made holy. God recognizes us as holy because he looks at what his son has done. But we're in a process. I always love the image of the caterpillar. You know, be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. At some point there will be that transformation. Spiritually, that transformation starts when you accept Jesus into your heart and the Holy Spirit comes in and quickens you and makes you alive as with Christ at the resurrection. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, take any 16-year-old, go out and put him in a car. How many of them know how to drive? Yeah, okay. How many of us go from doing an automatic to a stick and just pick it up like that, right? It still takes a little bit of time. Grind the gears a little bit. Until the semis come and then you learn how to really peel out. I did that in an intersection. I still have a flashback. I can see that intersection. I can see the Kentworth truck where I learned how to drive a stick just like that. But in our spiritual lives, it's an ongoing process. And sometimes you're going to have moments like that where spiritually you make a leap and you grow. And other times you're going to be going through Maybe times of trial, times of doldrums, times of suffering. Times when you're going, I don't know. Well, guess what? Here's the rock. Focus on it. When you don't know, focus even more on the rock. And, and I say that because there's, there's a tension. We warn our flesh. I love the way Paul discusses it. He says, that which I want to do, I don't do. That which I don't want to do... I end up doing, you know, and he's somebody who met Jesus on the road. And yet there's this tension. First Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, 
which wage against the soul. See, that's where the spirit comes in. That, that birth process, that's just the initial phase. Right, ladies? They don't just come out full born, ready to go, and off they go. There's a whole lot more to go. That's where the Spirit comes in. And what I want to suggest to you is this. Look at Titus 3.5 again. And actually look down past 5. And as it wraps up in 8, it says this. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. So that... Those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Hear that? So that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. How many times do we read through the Bible, especially in the New Testament, especially from Paul to Peter to James, what do they instruct us on each and every time? There's a list, isn't there? Do these things. Avoid these things. Do these things. And I love the way it says it there. So that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. We don't just willy-nilly go, hey, good deed. Okay, give that away. Do this or go here and give. I'm going to help you out this way. We have to be very careful how we do it. We have to be conscious of it. Peter... Jesus says it this way. This way, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you what? Love one another. How do you show that love? The disciples go on to detail it out in the letters. And I like the way the old pastor James puts it. He says, this is real religion, which is, I know it's an out-of-favor term, and we don't use it as much anymore, but he talks about serving the orphans and the widows. You want to get to the heart of the matter? Go do it. Help somebody who can't help you. That's the heart of it. It isn't something where you just go out, oh, okay, I saw something, I'll send a letter off or send an envelope off. That's not what it's about. How do we be careful to do these good deeds and let that spirit renew us and continue to refresh us and to focus us which is another way of saying to grow us, to grow our faith, to renew us. Because you know what? What I suggest to you is that we live in a society that is searing our conscience every day. We live around people who, as they want you to look at things the way they do, will try to sear your conscience into this. And if we allow that, we allow ourselves to slide into that apostasy. Or as it says also, to fall away. One of the metrics that we can use in our own hearts is to look at that and say, am I being careful to do these good things? Am I being careful to do good deeds? Am I being careful to listen to what the Spirit says in my life? (coughs) I was always brought up that, you know, you don't... It was kind of the opposite of the Pharisee who went out on the corner and said, I will give my prayer now, and he used all the fancy rhetoric and reached out and spoke. And I can imagine how it was, you know, that kind of 18th century rhetoric as he spoke. Everybody said, wow, that was a neat prayer. And Jesus says, he's already got his reward. It's done. You go in your closet and pray. And I always brought up with the idea that praying is like breathing. It's spiritual breath. You want to stay in touch with the Father? You don't do it, 
okay, I'll pray tonight, and then I'll pray over my food in the morning and during my devotions. Okay, so how often do you breathe? You breathe continually. That's why it says pray always. Another part of that that you kind of consider is this. Eating is like reading the Word. How often do you eat? Guess what? You can't get fat on this. Isn't that great? Exercising. You want to get out and exercise? You want to strengthen the muscles? Go out and witness about Jesus. Breathing, eating, exercising. Three simple ways to stay spiritually fit and allow that spirit to renew you. Because as you're doing those things, the spirit can speak to you. The spirit can help you stay away from this list of don'ts and help you to be careful to do the good things. Let's close. Heavenly Father.